I'm going to read this passage of Scripture for our text, and then I'm going to pray for us, all those who raised their hands, all those who acknowledged online that they need prayer. But I want to read this verse as we get into what we have this morning. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27 is our verse. I pray that maybe we could memorize this verse together as a church family as we go through this series. We'll read it every week. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 through 27. It says, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. Let's pray for each other right now and just pray for our time together. Father God, I just thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this time of worship. God, I thank you that we come into this gym this morning and just enjoy and just bask in your presence. Father God, I know that all of us come with so many different things. God, life is busy. God, life is overwhelming. God, life is stressful. More times than it's not. But God, we know that in the midst of all those things that you help us find reward. God, you help us find purpose. You help us find direction. Father God, and I pray for all of us, all of us who raised our hands here this morning, Father God, that we would just be leaning into your presence here today. God, all those that are watching online, Lord, that, that, that need prayer, God, I pray that they would just be leaning into you today. God, you call us, you call yourself, and the Bible calls you our strong tower, our refuge our peace, our comforter, our helper. Father God, I pray that we would find all of those things in you today. Father God, I pray that we would be a faith family always reaching out and loving and being concerned for the well-being of the people around us. Father God, I pray that as we get into this topic this morning, Father, I pray that you open our eyes to the need for it, the necessity of it in our lives. As we navigate the difficulties of battling the flesh, Father God, I just pray that you bless our time together and everything we do would be for your glory and honor. God, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So church, this morning we're going to continue in our study called The Way We Walk. As we study through some spiritual disciplines, these things that we utilize, that we, that we partake in in our day-to-day -day Christian life to experience God's grace, to grow in God's grace, to come to know and to see what He has for us. And, um, you know, this morning, I mean, last week we talked about a prayer. And this week we kind of talk about what I believe is a, is a, is a counterpart for prayer, uh, which would be fasting. And a lot of times when we talk about fasting, when we kind of think about the idea of fasting, I think there's a lot of different things that come to mind. And that fasting, we know, isn't necessarily just a, a spiritual thing, but people use it for fitness, people use it for health, that type of thing too. So I think there's a lot of different ways that we approach the idea of fasting. But I, I love the idea that we, we kind of spoke about prayer and fasting kind of right next to each other because I believe these things work very well together. And if we can get past the idea of what scares us about fasting, if we can get past the idea of, of what maybe doesn't seem necessary about fasting, because in reality, as we go through all these spiritual disciplines, I believe we can look at each and every one of them in the same way, of either being too scary for us to kind of approach, or being too unnecessary. We just don't feel like we need or have to do it, and maybe the reality is we don't have to do anything, but I believe there's a lot of things that we need to do as we step into these spiritual disciplines and what they truly mean and do for us. So when we talk about the idea of fasting, what we are talking about 
So we're talking about it is defined as to uh, afflicting the soul or self, or it is the practice of self-denial. And so, in a lot of ways, fasting is a very personal experience that you navigate in your Christian life and that we navigate. And we have to know, like we said, that fasting isn't a strictly a Christian a religious experience. A lot of religions practice fasting, and it's not just even a religious thing in general. A lot of in secular ways it is practiced. But for us as Christians, they're like every other spiritual discipline that we practice, that it is different in the way that we approach fasting as other religions would approach fasting. And when I talk about other religions, I'm not necessarily talking about different denominations of Christianity, but other religions of the world. And for us, that we know that the unique thing about it for us, and we'll kind of talk about this, is that the way that we approach fasting isn't to get anything from God, but to, like we talked about with prayer, realign ourselves with God. To kind of focus in our minds, kind of strip away the distractions that are, are in our path. And really, in all honesty, and, and we've, we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier on in the, the season, but, you know, uh, the, the season of Lent, that's really what this time is about. It's kind of about a reminder of self-denial. It's about a reminder of fasting. It's about a reminder of pushing things away, kind of afflicting ourselves for the sake of spiritual growth and development. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6. We'll have the verse on the screen for this. Matthew 6, verse 16 through 18. When he's talking about fasting specifically, he says this. He's talking to some religious leaders who have come to him and they've said, why don't your people fast the way that John the Baptist people's fast or other people are fasting? And this is what he said. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away. Jesus talking about himself as the bridegroom, and we are the bride in that sense. The bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. And then they will fast. And so the thing that we have to understand about fasting as we move into it is that, that fasting is one of those things that for us is a pursuit of God's presence. It is a pursuit of God's presence. And in the way that we approach, I kind of skipped ahead, but I want to jump back to a couple verses that I, that I missed talking about. But Matthew 6, verse 16 through 18, when Jesus is also teaching on fasting, he says this, that when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they, dis, they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. He said, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in Secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. So when we approach fasting, we need to understand a couple things. I got ahead of myself. We have to understand a couple things. That a lot of times, the way we view fasting is what maybe people communicate out loud to us. Hey, I'm doing this type of fast. Hey, I'm doing a social media fast. I'm doing some type of, of food fast. You know, and, and they publicize it. And in a lot of ways, what Jesus teaches about fasting, we have to understand, is this is not something that we communicate to everyone else. We're not supposed to have people look at us and be able to understand and know, oh, they must be fasting poor them. That's not what it's about. And that's what Jesus is saying here. They've got their reward. They've got their attention because they're, they're doing it from so, for some type of uh, spiritual recognition. And for us, when we approach the spiritual discipline of fasting, as we do with all the spiritual disciplines we'll talk about, these are not meant to impress people with our spirituality. That's not what fasting is about. And I, maybe you've done this or maybe you've seen people do this, and I don't mean this to be, be ugly, but the 
moment we post about our fasting is the moment we've diminished the idea of what we're doing. And so, because what we've begun to do is we've, become the, we've taken the focus off of what we're trying to accomplish and we've put the focus on ourselves. Look at me, right? We've, we've, we've put it back on us. And so we have to understand that fasting is not for show, that it's meant to be done in spiritual humility and not shared for the world to see on social media or to be shared in our private circles. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't communicate maybe with, with people within our circle about what we're going through if they ask, but it's not meant to be publicized. Then also, not only that, but fasting is meant to be done within the context of a purpose. In Acts 13.3, when Barnabas and Saul are preparing to be sent off to, on their missionary journey, it says that the apostles gathered around them and after fasting and praying they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So they had a purpose. They were stepping into God's purpose for these two men. And so fasting is not only for a show but fasting is also not for nothing. It's for us to participate and to be a part of. And what we have to understand, what we see there and what we even talked about last week in prayer is that when we participate in the act of fasting we do it not to manipulate God into doing something we want. We're not changing God's mind to our will, but we're changing us to be in agreement with His plans, to be prepared to carry them out. And so when we fast, that's what we're doing. And so when Jesus here in Matthew chapter 9, when He's communicating this to the, to the people, He says, listen, when the bridegroom is present, why would they not be celebrating? But when the bridegroom is gone, then they will fast. And so what that tells us, Jesus wasn't, uh, he was saying that there wasn't a need to fast at this time other than just for religious ritual. And he said that they would do that, uh, that they wouldn't need to do that since he was still present. But the moment that he's gone, when Jesus, he's speaking of his ascension into heaven and when he's not present physically anymore, he tells him that at that point, that there will begin a pursuit of His presence. Because I believe what Jesus knew is this, is that Jesus knew that the moment He was not physically present with us, our flesh would begin to desire other things. Or the apostles' flesh would begin to, to, to desire other things. Because, you know, I mean, it, there's, there's a lot to say about something when it's physically present with us, that, you know, when we're around somebody, when we're connected to somebody, when we're communicating with someone physically, that the relationship is different than when we start to communicate with that person from a distance, right? And so even though the presence of the Holy Spirit would be indwelling them and all those things, there would still be that battle with the flesh and that absence of the physical presence of Jesus with them that they would have to navigate through. And so what Jesus is telling them is that when you fast, it will be a pursuit of my presence. And so for us this morning, I want us to see four things, and these four things will be on the screen this morning, but four things that I believe that we gain from fasting that we gain from fasting. And, and I think, and don't limit fasting only to food because I believe that there's other ways at which we can fast to accomplish these things. And we'll kind of see that as we move through. But the first thing that we see that I believe that we can learn from fasting or gain from fasting is that it reminds us of our frailty and our dependence. You know, because the, the truth is that preparation and growth and godliness are experienced by being reminded about who we are and the needs that we have. Who we are and the needs that we have. Because when we're feeling good, like, like let's just really be honest with ourselves this morning, spiritually and just in our Christian walk. When we're feeling good, when we are comfortable, when our bellies are full, we are not seeing an accurate depiction of who we really are, right? What we're really seeing is someone being held up by all the good things that we have. So when we have, 
And you know, and for us in America, there's a lot of things that we don't experience that people all around the world do, and they have a better understanding than this than we do. But when our bellies are full, when we're comfortable, when we're sitting back, when we're laid back, when we're hanging out, when everything is going well, we are not seeing an accurate depiction of who we really are because in reality, we are beings of need. We are beings of dependence. And when we have, we don't recognize that dependence. And so what fasting does is it brings us to this point where we have a, a rumbling stomach, right? Maybe we're navigating a little bit of uncertainty. Maybe we're navigating a little bit of discomfort in whatever space we are in. And what that does is it quickly, if we're approaching it the appropriate way, it's reminding us about the dependence that we have on things outside of ourselves. You know, that moment, say you decide, we decide to step into a fast of food and you say, well, I'm going to fast for two meals today. The moment your stomach rumbles, what does it remind you of the fact that I need to have food? I need something outside of myself to be sustained. I need something outside of myself to be satisfied. And whenever we are comfortable and our bellies are full and we're not up against any type of difficulties, we are not seeing an accurate picture of who we are because we are beings of need. You know, because we spend so much of our life seeking after comfort, which only leads us away from dependence sometimes, because we get, we get dependent on the comfortability rather than dependent on God, which sometimes leads us into spaces where we're uncomfortable. Sometimes leads us into spaces where we need to depend on Him more so than we depend on our own, st- on our, our own self and our own strength and abilities. You know, even David, he would say this in Psalm 63, 1 through 2. He said, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. And you know, there's a lot of times where people read the writings of David and they'll be like, man, he is such a, just a weak guy. He's always complaining. He's always like, seems like he's very needy. And you know, for, for men, for us, we don't like to feel like we need anything. We don't like to feel like we need anything outside of ourselves to provide for us or give us direction or help us lead our family. But the reality of it is, is I can promise us we can't say that David is weak and whiny until the moment, like David, we stand uh, in close proximity and kill a bear and a lion with our bare hands. You know, we just haven't come. I don't know about you guys, but I I haven't killed any animals. Maybe a bug, maybe, you know, um, some type of worm or something that, you know, but I, I have, I don't know about you, but we, David is not a weak man. David is a man's man. David is the kind of guy that we would have been very impressed by, but David was also a man that understood his need. He also was a man who understood that he had dependence on unholy God to provide for him and lead God and direct him because he had an understanding of his weakness. He had an understanding of his vulnerabilities. He had an understanding that there was an end of him and where that end of him was, God would carry on and he depended on God. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints without you. It needs you. This is not a weak man saying those things. This is a a sign of strength to be vulnerable. And so not only does it remind us of our frailty and dependence, but the second thing is that it reveals to us our idolatry. It reveals to us the things that we worship above God. Idolatry is this extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. Church, when we step into a fast, whether it's food, whether it's some type of other outlet, and we we deny ourselves of those things, we quickly begin to see that we 
have admiration for these things. We love these things. We worship these things. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's some type of comfortable space. Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's these things that we've elevated, some type of hobby that we've elevated above God because the moment that we remove it, we immediately recognize how badly we need it. And so what fasting does when we step into that space is fasting reveals to us the things that we worship higher than God. It reveals to us the idols in our life. You know, when... When we deny ourselves of something, we can begin to see how it controls us. You know, then like I said, this is the reason Jesus said he would fast, well, that we would fast when he was gone. is because he knew our fleshly desires would get in the way of enjoying his presence. Because he knew that we would begin using items. We would begin using uh, food. We would begin using uh, 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 commodities to make ourselves comfortable. To make ourselves feel valuable. To make ourselves feel and kind of even not even, maybe even not feel. Maybe even to numb the feeling. I mean, how many of us, how many times have you binged a TV show for several hours in a day just uh, mindlessly scrolled through social media just to disconnect from the things that are going on? Maybe even have used substances to numb the feelings, to escape the fears and anxieties that we're navigating. And so what in those moments, if we were to push those things away, we would begin to see that we are using those things as idols. We are worshiping those things, depending on those things to give us comfort, to give us purpose, to lead, guide, and direct us into our spaces. When we feel like, when we feel we have need that we aren't finding in God, we will fall to idol worship. You know, and that's why Jesus in, in uh, Matthew 4, 9, when the enemy comes to him and begins to tempt him when he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he said to the enemy, he said, all these things I give, uh, the enemy says, all these things I give you, if you will fall down and worship me, the enemy speaking. And then Jesus said, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So there's something very significant we have to understand about fasting. That in our self-denial, and we see this with Jesus here in Matthew 4, and just an awesome story that maybe many of you are familiar with. If you're not, I encourage you to go back and read uh, Jesus' time in the desert. But Jesus was fasting physically, but He was feasting spiritually. We have to understand that. That when we're fasting physically from something, we should be feasting spiritually. Because it's in those moments of weakness when the enemy will attack us the hardest. It's when we begin to deny ourselves of some type of level of comfort. You know, when we push away food, when we push away social media, when we push away substances that numb the feeling, when we push away different aspects of our lives that make us comfortable, if we're not feasting spiritually on the Lord, on God and what He has for us, the enemy is going to sneak into our lives and he's going to convince us that not only do we need the things we've pushed away, but we need more. We need more of those things. We will hear the enemy like he did for Jesus. Hey, I'll give you all these things and more if you'll worship me, if you'll worship the flesh. And so what Jesus is telling us is that when we are physically fasting, we need to be physically, uh, spiritually feasting. And so then that leads us into the third thing this morning. What fasting does for us is it redirects us to greater things. That we fast to feast. We fast to feast on Him. John Piper said this. He says, If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled 
so long at the table of the world, your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. You know, I think this is where so many of us find ourselves. I mean, I was even thinking about this with our kids. Like, how many times do we say in our, in our, to our kids, hey, don't eat that, you're going to ruin your dinner, right? Like, hey, don't eat three packs of Pop-Tarts because then you're not going to cook the great dinner that we have in the oven. You know, we, we settle for the lesser and miss out on the greater because we're too, we're too stuffed. And so that's what John Piper's saying here. He's saying too many of us aren't craving, not because we've taken so much in by, of the Lord that we're satisfied, but because we've nibbled small bites at the table of the world for so long that we've stuffed ourselves so much that there is no room for what is great because we've settled for what is lesser. You know, I've said this before, man... God calls us not to settle for McDonald's. He's got us filet mignon. He's got so much greater for us. He's got a greater feast for us than the lesser things that we've given ourselves over to. And so what fasting does is it redirects us because what it shows us is that we spend too much time, too much of our lives settling for the temporary and convenient rather than embracing the, the eternal and infinite. And listen, for God, when He begins to redirect us to greater things, when He begins to reveal to us that we've been settling for lesser, missing out on the greater, when God does this and He begins to convict us, the thing we have to understand about God is God never convicts us to shame, but He's convicting us towards a better life. He's not trying to bring us to these spots where we're just sitting in a shame circle, unwilling to step forward, but He brings us to these places. He convicts our hearts to reveal to us the lesser things that we've made idols and have begun to worship and begin to depend on in our lives. He's shown us this so that we can begin to embrace and live in better things. Because I hope for us as Christians, the reason we gather together and we preach God's Word and we worship, the reason we have small groups, the reason that we teach our kids the things that we do, is, and the reason that we fast as Christians is we fast as those who have tasted greater things. We fasted as those who have tasted greater things. Listen, when you've tasted the name brand, there's no place for the off-brand anymore, right? When you've tasted the goodness of what is real, there's no place for what is, what is the, 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 uh, the, the clone of it. And so, church, when we're stepping into fasting, fasting is separating from the needs of our age and realizing there is more to be had in God. That we starve the flesh to feed the Spirit. And what God begins to do is God begins to repurpose the characteristics that define us. You know, a lot of times I think that we expect God to take things about us and just completely wipe those things away, when in reality what God wants to do is He wants to redirect those things to greater purposes. You know, uh, we always think, well, maybe God will, will take away my anger. And what God wants to really do is He doesn't want to necessarily take away our anger, but He wants to redirect that anger where we begin to get angry, righteously angry about the things that the enemy is doing to the lives of the people around us. Not angry at people, but angry at the enemy. Just passionate about the Lord and Him saving the souls of the people around us. He wants us to have that passion. He wants to take the, 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 the loyalty that we have towards our jobs, the loyalty that we have towards our hobbies, the loyalty that we have towards our friends, and shift that around where we begin to show that loyalty to the Lord as we take steps in obedience. Loyalty to our friends and families who are desperate in need of us evangelizing to them, being an example to them. Our kids, the, our spouses that we would 
would be leaning into life with them and sharing the goodness of God and just sharing our struggles and navigating that life together. God doesn't want to wipe our slate clean. He wants to take who we are and redirect those things to greater purposes. And I believe Paul, more than anyone, understood this. And a lot of times we can read Paul and we can get discouraged. Listen, I don't believe that Paul's writings are in the Bible to discourage us. I think they're meant to encourage us. I think they're meant to point us to greater things. Listen, I thank God that Paul sets the bar high for me because if the bar was set low, then, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be here. You know, I thank God that, God that Paul calls us to greater things. And he says in Philippians 3, 8 through 11, he says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He says, For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. He says, Listen, I've pushed everything away. I've counted everything, and this word rubbish is a very generous word for us because in the original language it's a very, very offensive word. He says, I've counted all things as rubbish so that I might gain greater, that I might gain better, that I might be redirected to greater purposes, that I may be redirected to greater value, that I may find more than what I've, the empty things that I've been just having to go back to in my life or in this world or by the flesh. And then the last thing, as we find or redirect it towards those greater things, the last thing this morning is that we would find empower, we would be empower, it would empower us towards steps of faith. That in that redirection, in that repurposing, that it would empower us towards steps of faith. That fasting gives us a shot of power. It should give us a shot of power and confidence. It is an intensifier of faith, that it opens our eyes. That it reveals to us the idols that we've depended on. It reveals to us the lesser things. It reveals to us our selfishness. It reveals to us our pride. It reveals to us the way we're mistreating our spouses. It reveals to us the way, maybe as fathers, that we're not properly leading our families. That it reveals to us, it opens our eyes, and it intensifies our faith with the ability to begin to step into those roles. To begin to step into the purposes that God has for us. Because when we better see who God is and what He is doing, we lead better. We worship better. And we pray more efficiently. Because I would say this, that the way to abundance is abstinence. Self-denial, fleshly comforts to better see the purpose God has for me. Church, if we would really take serious self-denial of certain comforts, I truly believe we would better see what God has for us. We would better understand the grace that God has provided for us. We would better see the mercy that God has given us through the shedding of His blood on the cross. That for us, it would be a pursuing of His presence, longing for a not-yet kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew 9 that after He was gone that they would fast, longing for His presence, longing to experience Him and His promises. And David says, give us a great example of how we navigate that. In Psalm 27, 4, he says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that will, uh, that will I seek after, 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple, to seek after Him, to dwell with Him, to look upon Him and to inquire, to ask and to seek after that knowledge that only God can give us. Because the thing we have to know You know, what fasting is not about, what we have to understand, is fasting is not about putting ourselves in a place of misery. That is not what fasting is about. That's what fasting used to be about in the Old Covenant. What the New Covenant fasting is about is putting ourselves in a place where we are able to push away the distractions and begin to see who Jesus is, to begin to embrace Him, to be able to further and more so enjoy a deeper understanding of His promises. The goal is not to be hungry. The goal is not to suffer. The goal is not to impress God or other people with our spirituality. The goal is to remind us and to draw us into prayer and worship and thankfulness for who God is and His purposes. The purpose is to draw us deeper. The purpose is to remind us and to draw us into who He is. And so prayer and fasting, like I said, go so well together. Because one draws our attention to what is most valuable and needed in our life through fasting, and one aligns our heart with God through prayer. And so I want to give us, before we finish up, some practical ways at which I hope that maybe this week, maybe this week that you'll decide to step into with me. Some practical ways that we'll fast this week together. That this week, that you'll pick one day, that if it's not a medical issue that you would fast from two meals. My suggestion would be breakfast and lunch so that you can end with a banger before you go to bed. That one day this week, that you would pick two meals and fast. Don't eat. Don't not drink. You can drink some fluids, but don't eat. And that every time, every time your stomach rumbles, you pray. Every time you think to yourself, man, I'm hungry, that you pray, that you seek after God. Then maybe you pick up the Bible and you just read uh, a psalm. Maybe you pick up the Bible, you pick up your phone on the Bible app and you just, you just read a proverb. Or if nothing else, you just pray. God, help me in the midst of my desires for fleshly satisfaction. God, help me see you. Help me know who you are. Help me know what you've done. That you would ponder God in that moment. And like I said, if it's a medical issue then fast from something else. Fast from something else that you know that you do daily. Fast from something else that you get comfort from. Fast from something else that you use to kind of disconnect from the world. Fast from that the entire day, 24 hours. The second thing is to pick another day, and for our people who fast from food on one day, pick another day where you fast from something else that gives you comfort. And if you are doing this on the day because of a medical issue, then just do this two days. Social media browsing, posting, Netflix binging, YouTube. You know, whatever it might be, something that you use to disconnect or to find some sense of comfort in the midst of anxieties. Maybe it's a certain substance that you use to find comfort, kind of help you relax. Fast from that thing from that day. After a hard day, maybe it sounds good to to do that. Don't do that this day. Don't take that drink this day. Don't don't smoke this day. Whatever it might be. And on this day, let's say, in those times when you're craving it, when you're needing it, I'm going to seek the Lord this day. God, in the midst of my need, 
In the midst of my desire to, to feel comfort, to be relaxed, God, I want to find that comfort and re relaxation in you. Just one day. And I'll pray, I want to invite you to do that with me this week. Two days. And my prayer is, is that for one, we would be stepping into it with purpose. That we want to see God work in our personal life. That we want to help Him to focus us in to the goodness that He has for us. Focus us in to what gifts we have, what talents we have, how He can better utilize those in our family, in our circles, in our workplaces, in our local church here with us. Because remember, when we fast, we should be feasting spiritually. Fast physically, spe uh, feast spiritually. That as we're denying ourselves, that we be seeking the Lord in those times of need. When we're reminded about what we've neglected ourselves. That to deny the fleshly comforts and to supplement it with spiritual engagements. That we don't just withhold that we fill that space with time, with seeking God, seeking after Him and His kingdom and His purposes for you and your family. Because ultimately, and I wasn't sure if I was going to read this verse or not, but I'm going to read these verses just to wrap us up and then I'll pray for us and we'll be done. Ultimately, we want to see fasting accomplish something. Remember, it's not a show. Don't post it on social media. Don't feel like you have to tell anybody about it. Make this between you and God. Deny yourself to take in more of Him, whatever that looks like, two days this week. Because ultimately what we want to accomplish is what I believe Isaiah is writing from as he hears from God on what it means to truly fast. Right before this, he's talking about the way that fasting inappropriately has negatively affected them. In Isaiah 58, and you can go back and read this or you can read along with me, Isaiah 58 verses 6 through 12 say this, and then I'll be done. He says, Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free. To break every yoke. Is, not to share, it, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him to, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call the Lord, and He will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the spreading of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, and satisfy the de desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your desire in a scorched or dry places, and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, and you and shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to dwell in. What I believe if we approach fasting 
with the desire to see God do something great within us, that it will lead us outside of ourselves towards purpose. Because every spiritual discipline that we participate in is meant to lead us outside of ourselves for the good of the people around us and the good of the people that we influence. Because what we see from these verses in verses 6 through 7 is that when we fast appropriate, it leads us towards others. It leads us to letting go of the oppressed. It leads us to breaking the bonds of slavery. It leads us to breaking uh, the, the mold and letting leading us to feed the hungry, bringing the poor into our house. It leads us to doing for the least of these. He says, Spirit, and I love that that's the first thing he says, is that when we fast and we participate in the spiritual disciplines that he's called us to, that other people will benefit from it. That it's not just about us. We enter into so many Christian and spiritual circles with the idea that it's all about me and that it's not. And I love how when he calls us to step into the spiritual discipline of fasting, that it's not just for me, but it's for the people around me. That is for my family. That is for my friends. That is for the hurting and needing around me. And not only that, but he tells us that it leads us to be the light in verses 8 through 10. That, it, that, that we will break through in the darkness. That it doesn't matter the space that other people in. It doesn't matter what we're navigating through. He says that, that their healing will be there. That it will be speedily. And that he said that our righteousness will go before us. And the glory of the God will be our rear guide. He says that it will guard our backs. The most vulnerable place of us. He says God will guard us. Not only that, but he says that, that when we pour ourselves out. That our light shall rise in the darkness. And that your gloom that the saddest, the saddest places that we are, he said, will be as noonday or the brightest point of a day. And not only that, the last thing it says that it leads us to enjoy him in verses 11 through 12. That the Lord will guide you. That he will satisfy you in those times when it, you feel like you're needing or it's dry or you're desiring something. And that those waters will not fail. And then the last thing, and I think, and I'll end with this, but I think this is just so monumental. But he says, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. That God says, when we seek after him and live in that grace and we participate in prayer and fasting and these, these disciplines that he's called us to, he says those, those things that you thought were destroyed, those things that you thought were no good anymore, those things that, that, were, that seem worthless to you now, seem like a pile of rubble, he says those things will be rebuilt. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's you, you, you personally, just in your walk, in your relationship with God, just seems like ruins. God says, I'll rebuild those things. Not only that, but he says that with you, with us as we step into that, that He will rise up foundations of many generations. That as parents today, that we can know that if we step into these things, that He says He will build up a foundation that will sustain generations beyond us. And then not only that, but He says that we can participate in being called the repairer of the breach or where the walls, the weak spots in our lives and our family's lives can be patched up. And not only that, but he says that we would be the restorer of streets. That not only repairing the weak, weak spots where the enemy has broke through, but repairing the path at which we walk. That the journey that we navigate towards God to get back to Him. That as we step into these disciplines, 
of self-denial, of seeking God. A church, it does so much more than just good for us, but it does good for our families. That when we begin to deny ourselves of fleshly comforts and feast on spiritual graces and mercy, then we can truly begin to live, truly begin to lead, and truly begin to love the people around us. Church, let's bow our heads this morning as we finish up, and let's pray together. As we together collectively embrace this challenge to pick two days this week to fast, one from food, if not a health issue, and one from some other element of comfort that we find. And we begin to see the purposes, not even for specifically our own personal gains, but to better utilize us and use us for the purposes and good that God has for us in our families, in our communities, in the places around us. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that in the midst of all our distractions, God, that you have given us clear directions on how to push those things away, how to abstain from the desires and and the satisfactions of this world to find true abundance. God, that as we fast physically, that we feast spiritually on you. Lord, being reminded about what we need most. God, being reminded about what idols we have set up in our homes, what idols we've set up in our lives that we've become dependent on, that we've become uh, comfortable with, that we've worshipped, that we've loved more than You. Father God, I pray that this week that we can find moments of self-denial to have more realizations of who You are. Father God, and I pray that we acknowledge this and embrace this not in a state of shame, but God, in a state of encouragement towards greater things. God, remind us of our brokenness so that we can truly see your goodness. God, remind us of our need so that we can see that you have all that we desire. God, help us, Father God, to step into this world, to step into our spaces, God, and to be the people you've called us to be. God, weak, broken people who desperately need your strength your giving, your goodness to sustain us. Father God, I pray for our church family. God, I pray for those who aren't here this morning. God, I pray that we would step into this week with a desire for moments of self-denial to better take in you. God, help us see the idols in our life. God, and help us see the greater things that you're attempting to redirect us towards. Father God, we just thank you. God, we love you. God, we just ask your blessing over our church and all that you want to do with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.